you're tuned into Decay Mag Podcast Online source for horror, thriller and sci-fi entertainment news Good evening ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Artuz, founder for DK Mag You can find us on DK Mag on the web D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G dot com And be sure to check us out our podcast is now available on Spotify. And joining me as co-host tonight are... Ian and Artus, content contributor, and you can find us in Google Music. Stacey Cockstaff corresponded, and we are on iTunes. Be sure to check us out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Google+. And this is Season 6, Episode 5. And we're going to do a slight change in our program. We're going to be focusing on video games and horror-themed, sci-fi-themed, and fantasy-themed independent video games. Also included in this podcast are exclusive interview with Clarissa Jacobson and J.M. Logan from Lunch Ladies. Clarissa Jacobson served as writer and J.M. Logan served as director. Also, we have exclusive interview with Chad Wrigley of 666PM. Be sure to check those two. And also, we'll be featuring some trailer reviews. Actually, it's trailer first impressions. We changed that trailer reviews. Sounds so focused, right? Yes to focus yeah this is first impressions and without further ado here is season six episode five video games the surge a walk in the park kicking off our coverage of video games is the upcoming expansion for the surge Releasing on December 5th is this hardcore RPG titled The Surge and is about to receive a brand new content in the form of a major expansion. This expansion will focus on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC via Steam. A teaser trailer was dropped earlier this week and we will be providing an embedded video in our podcast outline. So in this expansion, it is titled A Walk in the Park. And in this version of the game, it's completely different from the different levels that players are accustomed to. The Surge released earlier this year. As a matter of fact, it was uh, May 15, 2017. So in the Walk in the Park, it gives players a breath of fresh air by taking them to an environment that's more open and colorful but no less deadly. Creo World is an amusement park built by Creo for its employees and their families. Forget your cravings for cotton candy, Creo World was not spared from the surge. The entire park is a deadly trap where roaming rescue teams have now gone insane and robotic mascots patrol freely, patiently waiting for new visitors to welcome. 
If you're unfamiliar with the surge, here's a brief synopsis. Welcome to Creo, the mega corporation saving the world. A cata catastrophic event has knocked you out during the first day on the job. You wake up equipped with a heavy grade exoskeleton in a destroyed section of the complex. And this this trailer looks pretty exciting. It reminds me of those button smashers like God of War and Bayonetta. Uh, they were, if you go to YouTube, there are a lot of descriptions that blend this type of game with uh, Dead Space and some other titles that are button mashers. Uh, for me, it's, it's just pure fun. Uh, just fighting these enemy bosses and working your way up. Uh, you know, this is pretty cool. W what did you think about this trailer in it? Well, there was a part in there that it reminds me in the park section when you used to play Left 4 Dead. What section would that be? The one um, with the amusement park. Right, right, right. That's it, yeah. That's that's the whole approach that they're going with the uh, Walk in the Park expansion pack. So they're taking it out from the, from the other levels that were gritty and grimy and they're putting cheerful stuff. Interesting. Very interesting. Stacy, I know you're not a gamer, but uh, giving the the visuals, uh, what do you think about this? The surge. Uh, honestly, I have not seen this trailer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have not. Have you have you heard of the surge? No, I haven't. I've yeah. not. Yeah, it's it's this uh it's a sci-fi game and like I said it's a button ma you ever played button masher games? <coughs> like just I attack can't say run. That I have off the top of my head. I'm not sure what button masher games are. Like God of War, <coughs> Bayonetta. I've played God of War. Right. Those are God of War, I think part 3. Yeah. That was scary for me though. It was <coughs> God of War Part 3, oh, you know, let me tell you a funny story. So I first bought God of War Part 3, right? So I'll try it out. And um, after not being able to beat the first level, I take it back. I return it for Ghostbusters. Because <laughs> 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 I returned it for Ghostbusters. This game is too hard for me. I want to exchange it for another game yeah ghostbusters was that, was that game i exchanged it for and i've been happy ever since wow <laughs> i ain't scared no ghost wow yeah i ain't scared no ghost nope <laughs> 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 it was just so hard to beat that first level like i was stuck in the same part for like days i'm just like what the heck like so i'm like nah any game you're stuck on for a ridiculously amount of time, it's just like, no, screw that. Wow. <laughs> I'm not about to, you know, I just, I'm just not about to be, like, it's, it's something to be, like, for a game to be hard, you know, it's like, it's tough, and it gives you a child, but then it's another thing for a game to be, like, darn near unbeatable. 
No, I have no patience for those games that are darn near unbeatable. Oh, I, I kind of like God of War. That was a good game. And then, for me, the difficult <laughs> uh, game was uh, Bayonetta. That one was difficult. Yeah. I've never heard of that. One. Oh, that was that was cool. That was a cool game. Like the movie Bayonetta? No, different. Totally different. And uh, most of these games, uh, this game in particular, The Surge, is a RPG, which is which means a role-playing game. And throughout the course of the game, your character levels up with uh, attributes, strength, stamina, weapons throughout the course of the game, like I mentioned. And if he beats a higher boss, you know, they get the extra bonus points. So, so those are the type of games that are pretty cool. And like Final Fantasy is an RP popular RPG. I know everybody's heard of Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, oh, of course. I've heard of that. I haven't played it yet, but I've heard of it. Right, right. So this is the <laughs> this is uh, RPG in that sense, but it's heavy action. I I like it. I like it. It's it's pretty cool. I, I haven't played a video game in a long time, and the Surge looks like a game that you could just sit down, play, and have fun. Have fun. And yeah, beat up, beat up other robots. Beat them <laughs> up. <laughs> Summer Xbox One safe mode. Isolated, submerged in the ocean's darkness, chaos has overtaken the halls of Pathos Two. And the boundaries of humanity strain the unprepared. From fictional games creators of the critically acclaimed Amnesia series, Soma is coming to Xbox One. Xbox One! <laughs> For those PlayStation players out there, it's coming to Xbox One <laughs> on December 1st with the addition of Safe Mode. An exceptional way of experiencing the atmosphere and story of Soma. Free of harm from enemies. The synopsis? Radio. The radio is dead. Food is running out and the machines have started to think they are people. Underwear, underwater facility Pathos 2 has suffered an intolerable insulation and are going to have to make some tough decisions. What can be done? What makes sense? What is left for? What is left to fight for? Soma is a sci-fi horror game from Frictional Games, the creators of Amnesia, The, the Dark Descent. It is an unsettling story about identity, consciousness, and what it means to be human. Now, and then it can I had to watch this trailer like five times to <laughs> understand what was going on. What did you guys think about this, Soma? Oh, I love I, Soma released on September twenty second, twenty I believe it's twenty fifteen. And it was for PC. And I mean the acclaim uh for this game is, is so high. This is survival horror. And this is the type of survival horror that does not incorporate a lot of action like Resident Evil did and it almost killed the franchise. This one you gotta solve puzzles and uh, use your weapons wisely. That's, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I gotta play video games. These games like this makes me want to just take time off and just play games. Wow. Machines that things that they are people. What do you think about that? What do you mean? What do you think about that? You know what that? You know what they're trying to say with that? Yeah, creating a lot of cyborgs and a lot of stuff. I mean, to me, it sounds like the Terminator. Well, technically, our people just way more advanced. Yeah, but mm -hmm. they're just giving. Uh, you know, th this entertainment industry, video games and, and movies are just giving you clues of what may happen because people depend on machines for so many things. Exactly. We use yeah. our phones for everything. We use a phone. When was the last time you actually thought of something without using Google? Like, Google it, you know? Come on. And say, okay, Google. Yeah. Heck, pretty soon we won't even need computers anymore, just the phones, you know, the phones is pretty much like a pocket computer. Why even spend a thousand dollars on a computer anymore when you can just have a oh, They equal even the, the amount, so phones mm -hmm. are pretty expensive. Yes. Oh, do you know what I paid for my phone I have now? Um, and I paid for prepaid. <clears throat> Because I'm like, I did not want another subscription ever. So I'm like, I'm gonna buy this phone outright. So the phone was $425, and out the door after like the first month's benefit is $475 out of pocket. That's crazy. You know, I could have bought me like an HP for that amount of money. Exactly. <laughs> but when you think about it, like, hey, like, you with all the apps that you can find, the app stores and everything. It's pretty much like an HP in your pocket. Exactly. Imagine the technology in a cell phone is rivals the computers that were used to send the first men on the moon. So that's how far we advanced. Very far. But oh, so you know what I recently found out? Yes. This is gonna, and and it, I know this is gonna like be mind blowing for you, and I'm waiting for it. So Neil Armstrong, right? <laughs> so Neil A spelled backwards is alien. I was like, mind blow. You didn't even like have to do the whole his whole last name. You just said Neil A. Neil A. Wow, we gotta look that Neil up. A. Not even Neil, Neil Armstrong. Just Neil A. Spelled backwards is alien. I was like. Psh mind blown boom <laughs> <laughs> mind, mind blown, blown. Mind that's blown. crazy like, that's yeah. crazy <laughs> it was an ameen it was an ameen <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have sound effects for these type of conversations like the mind blown <laughs> conversation mind <laughs> she's gonna love she's gonna <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> wow but Anid what does what does Soma remind you of huh I have, I know it reminds me of something, but I quite not grasping what it is yet. I've been breaking my head all this Bioshock. Time. Yep. Bioshock. I was going to say, you know, when Soma first came out, uh, I, I was comparing it to Dead Space because the same ambience, but Bioshock because it's an auto underwater facility and you got all these uh, vegetations and creepy stuff very aquatic like 
But nevertheless, this is a totally different game and it has totally different uh, engine and aesthetics. I, I This is the type of games that makes me want to play video games again. I enjoy survival horror. Uh, you just put put on you know turn off the lights put on your headphones and when a monster comes out you just scream like a like a like a little girl ah! yeah too many times I know that's happened to you Stacy right <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she said yeah well, no, you, see? you know as, as far as the survival horror games yes but evil the evil with the end and um, actually, I went to a few survival horror games. They are not easy to beat. No, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be survival horror. You you solve puzzles and you look for clues about the story. I enjoy that. I well, you know what? I am stuck on not even the the Evil Within or not even the Slender the Lost Pages. But um, there's this game I'm playing called Via uh, Among the Sleep. Oh yes. You've heard about it, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I am stuck on this part where I cannot get past the freaking tree monster or the mother. I'm like, it's bugging me because I'm like, this is a freaking toddler's nightmare we're talking about. Who cannot? What thirty year old cannot get past the tree? I cannot get past that tree monster, and I'm just like. I'm like reevaluating life right about now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it's, a, it's like I said with the evil within. You understand? Because it's like okay, the evil within. Like that's a scary day. I was like, I put that game aside for a minute because I'm like, nah, this game is giving me nightmares right about now. Oh my god! I'm up here like, wait a minute. And then even the other game I've been telling you guys about, um, Emily wants to play. Yeah. I'm like, I'm up here playing a hide and seek with a little six-year-old. Why the? You know what you need? <laughs> you need to focus on the game. Sometimes the frustration gets to you, but you're like, okay, just channel your energy into it. Yeah. Channel your chi. Not even be a being able to beat goosebumps. It's like. What thirty-year-old cannot beat the Goosebumps game? <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I should be able to beat Goosebumps. Exactly. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, those are three games that I just kind of. I'm just like, like, I'm just up here like, I need to reevaluate life. Like, what is going on? Here? You know, you're not a gamer when you cannot beat Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah, uh, just practice. Keep practicing. Keep at it. I know. I, I'm keeping at it, but I'm not like the. I'm not the obsessed gamer. So I'm the type of person to where I'll try for a little bit, and it's like I'll put it away for a few weeks or maybe even a month or whatever, and I'll come back to it later. Right. I'm right. that type of gamer. You know? <laughs> I'm not the yeah, I'm not the like everyday obsessed gamer where I'm staying up to like 4 a.m. trying to play video games. Like right. This. Oh yeah, that used to be me. Oh, but Soma is like you mentioned Stacy is coming to Xbox One December yes! 1st and yeah rejoice Xbox One gamers uh, this uh, to, it's available now for pre-order for Xbox One and uh, safe mode will launch at the same time as a free update for PC via Steam 
And of course, those who enjoy PlayStation 4 would have to wait. Haha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god, that was so funny, hilarious. That's okay. Good things come to those who wait. I, I don't have a PlayStation 4 anyway, so it doesn't bother me one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Embatus, the space drone constructor. Straightfawn Studios is a company based in Zurich, Switzerland, and they have done it again with their Kickstarter for their video game Nimbatus, the space drone constructor. Their Kickstarter have reached their goals of $20,000, and up to today, they have collected about $42,000. Straightfawn involves Misha Steller is the lead programmer of Nimbatus and she started working on the game about four years ago and also Philomena Schwab is the founder and she is the biology loving game designer. They are the ones responsible for this wonderful game. Here is what the game is about. Nimbatus, the space drone constructor, is a procedurally generated action simulation game. Build space drones out of hundreds of different parts and explore a fully destructible galaxy. On your journey, you will face deadly challenges on excited planets and research groundbreaking new technology. Some of the key features are you get to create your own physics-based drones, you use your sensor and logic parts to program fully autonomous drones, thousands of different weapons combinations, fully destructible, and so on. Um, what do you guys <coughs> think about this game? You guys watch the trailer? Yeah, I was reading up on this game. It's pretty, it's pretty cool looking. It, the the video game looks has that cartoon type uh, game uh, aesthetic, and it reminds me of those classic games like Asteroid. Yes. Right. Yes. It, it, it has that nostalgic feel, and I could tell for gamers who enjoy to not the action games or survival horror, but just to sit and craft. Yeah, their own weapons and their own spaceships. This type of game would take hours to play. Because hours or days? Days. Months. Because you could construct a spaceship and then you could go back to the game and build another one and try different things. This is a, a, a thinking game, you know? You just sit there, think, and you have to use a strategy. Because if you look at the trailer, there's alien spaceships are trying to destroy you and you're trying to get through the the minerals that you're supposed to uh mine it's interesting i like that yeah uh stacy have you heard about this game this kickstarter the trailer for nimbatus the space drone constructor i have not no <laughs> you ever that Based on the description, the, does this game have some type of familiarity with you? Have you ever played a game of this caliber? I can't say that I have either, no. Yeah, well, so I'm, I'm just astounded. Sometimes these Kickstarter campaigns, you could get no funding. And then other campaigns, you just see these uh, companies getting 
above their goal surpassing their goals by thousands of dollars that's amazing Twenty thousand, twenty thousand was the goal, you need. Twenty thousand, and they up to forty thousand and some change. <sighs> so they have surpassed their goal. That's amazing. They are beyond. And if you watch the trailer, this is this is what I what I enjoy. One of the d- game developers, he quit his day job to start his game development company, and look at that. They have successful crowdfunding campaigns. Yep. And now they're moving forward with Nimbatus. Yep, Nimbatus. That just goes to show you, right? That just goes to show you that sometimes you just got to go with your creativity and and just, you know, move move forward. Because sometimes a 9 to 5 doesn't make your creativity flow. Yeah, as long as you have Kickstarters going. Yeah. (laughs) Nine to five never makes your creativity. I mean, well, I'm not sure nine to five is, you know, the... To use your creativity. Yeah, the, the one that is truly your passion. I think that's like, no, nine to five probably never makes your creativity strong. Right, right. And I think your creativity is, t- is probably not nine to five, really. It's a 24-7 exactly because even when you sleep your creativity is going yep yeah and look at that he started this game four years ago and in the video uh it it was mentioned that the time wasn't the game was not going to be enough to complete this game so that's why he quit the job focused on the game started a game company and look at that let's see follow your creativity Pillars of Eternity 2. Dead Fire. On December 15, 2017, Pillars of Eternity 2 opened a closed backer beta uh, testing platform. And here are the details behind that. The closed beta will allow players to try out Dead Fire's new features such as multi-classing and its overhauled combat system. Obsidian Entertainment, the developers behind Pillars of Eternity 2, are notable for their Fallout New Vegas uh, video game. And in this sequel to Pillars of Eternity, Obsidian is committed to revealing new features of the next few months giving those who opted in to backer beta an early peek at the world of the dead fire. Backers with access to the backfire beta are encouraged to provide feedback, help Obsidian make Pillars 2 an even better experience. Here is a few comments from Fergus Urquhart, CEO of Obsidian Entertainment. Quote, It's no surprise, but we love RPGs here at Obsidian. So it's awesome to be able to bring the beta of Dead Fire to our backers. This far out from launch, unquote. He continues by saying, quote, showing off all the new things that we have added to Pillars of Eternity, 
over the last two years is both exciting and a bit scary. However, it's key to who we are as a developer to find out what our backers think and then using that feedback to make that fire an even more amazing game." Unquote. For those who are unaware of Pillars of Eternity, the synopsis to Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire reads as follows, the god Eothras, once thought to be destroyed, returns to life in the form of a titanic statue, nearly killing you as he destroys everything in his path. It is up to you, the Watcher of Kayed, now to discover Eothos' purpose and decide to help or hinder his efforts. With an enormous open world, a massive cast of characters, beautifully hand-painted backgrounds, and a story you can play your way, Obsidian Entertainment is proud to bring you Pillars of Eternity 2 Dead Fire. Uh, so Stacy, you've never played an RPG game sort of like Skyrim? You never played Skyrim? No, I have not. Uh, what open world game that I could think of that is RPG type? Mario. No, that is not open world. What the hell are you talking about, Mario? What's that? And then you never played an RPG game in need, right? Maybe. I've played so many games in my life. No, you know what RPG open world is. It's like Skyrim is the best comparison I can make to this game. You could just walk around, choose your... Uh, choose your world. Not choose your world, choose your adventure. Or uh, level up. Uh, yeah, I think I played a game like that. I just don't remember the name, but yeah. Back right. in the days. And uh, just like any RPG game, as you evolve, the character evolves with his uh, attributes, but in games like Deadfire, you have people to help you. You get the the mage, the warlock, the elf. You know. Oh, those type of games. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's type. It's called fantasy game. Fantasy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I have not played Pillars of Eternity one. And uh, Dead Fire looks amazing. If you look at the graphics so far, it looks so beautiful. Those graphics, amazing. Man, technology is changing so fast. Wow. When I was playing games like this, they didn't look like this. Pixelated. You probably playing like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. No, whew, yeah, I remember that. Of course. Yeah. That's why I pixel. I love pixels. Like a lot of people didn't like that movie pixels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like you will be cool, but you'll never be as cool as getting like banged out by Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. But yeah, definitely. If you're into the fantasy RPG type of games, uh, do, do give this a view and keep your eye out. It's it's closed beta at this moment. <coughs> so only if you back the crowdfunding campaign are you allowed to play the game now and give your feedback. I see a lot of game developers doing that. You see this? You notice this trend in it? This is already two games that they went to crowdfunding and they, 
giving the players a first hand like yeah because they want to make sure they're not making you know something that in the long run people's not gonna like exactly they want people's opinion that's good that is good and that's that's the good thing about indie developers like that you you don't see capcom doing that legion td2 launching on november 20th legion td2 is a standalone sequel to the hugely popular warcraft 3 mod legion td which is inspired by which inspired starcraft 2 Starden, no squadron 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 TD and Dada 2's Legion TD Reborn. I don't know what that means, Kansas. You're going to have to tell me in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have no idea what this means at all. Now, the creators of the original mod are redefining the tower defense genre. Legion TD 2 is like a tower defense, but instead of building towers, you deploy dynamic fighters that come to life and move, attack, and cast spells automatically. The game is played by two teams of four. Defend your lane against waves of enemies and hire mercenaries to attack your opponents. To win, you must defeat the opposing team's king before they defeat yours. From start to finish, a match lasts around 25 minutes. It features 4v4 matchmaking, custom games, letterboards, stat tracking, reconnecting, anti-lever griefer detection, and many other features you might not expect from an indie game. It currently has 50 unique fighters, 4 playable legions, and mastermind mode, randomized fighters to test your game knowledge and adaptation. The developers have confirmed plans, have confirmed the plans to the design and release more fighters and legions, all of which come unlocked for players. Now, <laughs> as you can see, kid, I am totally confused about this. Me not being that big of a gamer and not knowing much about Legion TV. So what are what are you guys' thoughts on this? Well, uh, it's got a release on Steam as an early access on November 20th. Uh, that's for 20 bucks. That's for PC and Mac platforms. Tower defense games are very popular on mobile devices. You have Transformers. You have... Well, the very first game was a, um, Plants vs. Zombies. That's like a defense strategy game. Not a, not a tower defense game, but it's a defense strategy. It falls onto that same uh, genre. This, what makes this game so different is the four versus four matchmaking. Matchmaking is very important for these type of games because you wouldn't want to fight your level five. You wouldn't want to fight a level 20 because they're going to beat you and they're stronger than you because they're level 20. So the matchmaking makes sure that everyone is on the same level of experience. That's that's good. Leaderboards are, of course, for those who are competitive and they just want to climb the ladder and earn those points. Man, 
I used to be like that too. <laughs> I know. You were so competitive. I know. I stopped all that. Uh, so, Anid, I know you play most mobile games. So, I know you're familiar with tower defense games. Well, the type of games that I like most is time management. Uh, besides time management, it's racing. I don't do much tower defense games. Yeah, the only one was the one I recommended, the one from Transformers. Yeah. That was and a tower defense. And then after defense. a while, I got bored. Yeah, because once uh, once you level up, nobody wants to play anymore. No, it's not that. It's the um, since it's free games. Uh, when you're playing it, you don't have much. Sometimes you have to wait 12 hours for something to upload or or for an upgrade to happen. So that kind of like makes you not want to do it. Right. But when you buy the games like this from Steam. It's not like that because as soon as you get more experience, you could get more stuff, better stuff for your army and fight and be, you know, rise up in the, uh, on the leaderboards. So what did you find confusing on this game, uh, Stacy? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Um, <laughs> like, okay, if this anything is more confusing than like, you know, Xbox One, PlayStation games is computer is P is PC games because I don't know much about PC games either. You know, and this is a PC game, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it's got a release for PC, right? Right on November twentieth. Yeah. 20th. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I know next nothing about PC games. I've never played a game on a PC other than. Um, we're in the world is karma san diego so <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that was the last game i played oh my gosh wow yeah, so I'm like what is going on here i don't know anything about building towers and all this i, I don't know well so, <laughs> for for the mobile for mobile devices most of those games that are tower defense you have to build your your tower you have to build your homes a specific way to protect against the whatever it is. There's so many on mobile devices, but this one, as you mentioned, you don't need to build the tower. The towers are already there. You just have to defend it, and you have to customize your army. So is it kind of like that movie? Uh, I mean, no, not the movie. The uh, game. What's that game I was Hideout, hideout shelter or something like that? I uh, don't... The Fallout shelter. Fallout shelter. Is it kind of like that then? Um, Not sh quite sure. Fallout shelter. I've never heard of that one. It's called Fallout shelter, I think. You can play it on both. Well, you can play it on Xbox One. You can play other games too. And also, uh, the PC. It's called Fallout shelter. Or is it just called Fallout? Is, is it called Fallout? Maybe it's called Fallout. Is that the game? Is, I heard of Fallout. Fallout is an RPG game. That's oh, okay. Yeah, that's I've totally different. I've played Fallout before. Yeah, Fallout is totally different. <laughs> uh, those are the type of games where, that I, we have been talking about throughout this podcast, RPGs, where your character levels up as you complete your missions or fight bosses. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, so then I've played that game before. Uh, okay. But tower def I think you would enjoy tower defense games like DJ and TD 2, Stacy. 
because they're all you have to do is just customize your army and you just fight hordes of incoming enemies and if you pass that level then you upgrade and you could get better armor better weapons and you gotta do it again and again and again until you level up to whatever the max level is that's pretty that's pretty cool Those, yeah yeah i mean is that a strategy game like uh building a uh drone constructor or is not a a sci-fi survival horror like Sama so these are the type of games that you could just sit customize real quick play and that's it The Walking Dead The Telltale Series Collection What am I gonna say about this game with the disappointment that I have of The Walking Dead well the leading publisher of digital entertainment tell Tell, Tell Games and Robert Kirksman from Skybound Entertainment announced that The Walking Dead, the Telltale series collection will be released in stores on December 5th and across North America and Europe. There will be 19 episodes and it will be available on PS4 and Xbox One. Yes, I said X1 and PS4 on the same day in this you will have the recent third season the walking dead a new frontier as well as visually enhanced versions of season one season two 400 days and the three-part mission miniseries telltale also confirmed that gary Witta will be returning to telltale's writer's room Here's what he had to say. Collaborating with Telltale on the first season of Clementine's Journey throughout the world of The Walking Dead was one of the highlights of my career. So reuniting with them to now bring her story to a close with this final season feels like a homecoming, said Guida. Clementine has become not just one of the most compelling characters in The Walking Dead pantheon, but one of the great video games characters of all times. I hope we are able to do justice to her and to her millions of fans. This one feels special. So let's go visit our favorite video game store on December 5th to purchase this game. The value is $49.99 and they will be working on bringing this game to other platforms by 2018. So what do you guys think? Walking Dead. Stacy, you never played The Walking Dead from Telltale Games? I've never seen it. I never played it. You never seen it? I've never seen it. That's like all over the place. No, I've never seen The Walking Dead. I've never played it either. I know. Oh my gosh. You're missing on a lot of action with The Walking Dead from Telltale Games. All you have to do for these type of games from season one is you, you ever you ever read those choose your own adventure books back in the day? Go- goosebumps? Yes. I think I don't know if Goosebumps had. I don't know other books had them. So at the end of the chapter, you had to select one of the choices, and then you flip to the page, and whatever choice you make, the story changes. I remember that from Goosebumps. 
that is the same gameplay here. The same way. That's how you play this game. Well, I did play this game for um I think we have we have part one and two. Season one, season two. And then after that we have not tried or even um, play this game but yeah it's a game about you just you know a series of questions and all depends on how you answer your questions uh, sometimes you hurt the people's feelings sometimes you don't you know something there are times where a zombie might attack you and you have to react and press a button you know it's that type of game yeah it's not action intensive it's this decision making game and uh, when the action sequences do, do happen all you have to press is a triangle or a circle and that's about it the, yeah. s the story is already pre-written man i can't believe season one so many years have passed yeah clementine is a teenager now but now they're trying to close it they're trying to you heard she's a teenager now yeah when we first played the game she was a little girl Oh, She's man. been through so much. She went through so much shit. And season one, uh, the guy who was helping her, that was the sad part when he turned into a zombie. I know. For those who haven't played it, uh, we just messed up the ending there. Oops, spoiler alert. Yeah, but 400 days and then the Michonne miniseries. No spoils. I tell you, The Walking Dead has expanded so far. It has expanded so far in terms of video games, but it's sucky sucky at their TV show. Yeah. Just but we'll leave that for another topic, yeah. Yes. Just read the comic book. Yes. Yeah. But December 5th, 19 episodes. 49.99 to wow. buy the video game. That's amazing. I remember when I used to purchase them, they were 39.99. Yeah, right? Shit. Times change. Really? Yeah, place and PlayStation 4 is on sale for Black Friday. Three hundred dollars. Two hundred. No sale. Yeah, but they <laughs> that ain't no sale. Don't, 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 don't say that because then everybody's gonna go try to find it and then if you wanna get it, you can get it. Yeah. Uh, that's a was PlayStation. <laughs> it was 600. Yeah, PlayStation and Xbox were 500, 600 yeah, yeah <laughs> and now it's 300 <laughs> a whole 50% <laughs> <laughs> well I'm still not getting it anyway $99 that's a sale $99 yeah exactly that's when <laughs> PlayStation 5 comes out exactly <clears throat> PlayStation 5 is coming out soon at the rate we're going it'll probably come out next year <laughs> Technology is right. changing so fast. It's changing too fast. I'm getting PlayStation next time. Forget it. Like, I love Xbox, but I'm getting PlayStation next time. I gotta get back to PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation and is... Huh? I said PlayStation is good for... If you're playing single player, but if you're playing multiplayer, like Call of Duty, then the Xbox is good for that. It's just the, the controller is made for multiplayer. 
But I also want to invest in uh, VR, and I know PlayStation has VR. Yes, but I would suggest to give it a few more years for VR because we did experiment with VR content for PlayStation, uh, Skyrim, and it was not so good. It, no? It's too many pixels. They look by. It just takes you back to the early days of video games, like the PlayStation One. That's how it looks like. So I wouldn't want to just go back in time. I want to see good technology. So the, the VR content is not there yet. In two years, they'll be done. Yeah, give them two, three years. Yeah, it would be much better. And to and to clarify on the PlayStation <laughs> not being good for multiplayer, Inid, you know who Daniel Graves is, right? From Aesthetic Perfection. Yes, we had the pleasure to interview him, interview him in person. Yes. Anyway, so on Instagram, he was having difficulty making his new songs for his new album. So he said, "Okay, I'm gonna take the time to play video games." So. <laughs> He was frustrated with the controller. He was just cursing out the controller for the PlayStation 4 because he's trying to play Call of Duty. And, you know, the controller is so awkward to shoot and everything. That was hilarious. Funny. Anyway. Exclusive interview. Clarissa Jacobson, writer and J.M. Logan, director, Lunch Ladies. On November 17th, 2017, I had the pleasure to interview Clarissa Jacobson. She is an actress and writer. And also in this interview, joining us was J.M. Logan, director. And Clarissa Jacobson wrote the script and J.M. Logan directed the film to the short film titled Lunch Ladies. Oh my gosh, if you haven't seen Lunch Ladies, keep your eye out for it. It is currently making its film festival run at this moment. And let me tell you, oh wow, that is such, I'm not a big a comedy horror. I like my horror, uh, serious tone, uh, gory, but when a good comedy horror surfaces i have to tip my hat off to the creative team behind because to create a idea that incorporates both horror and comedy split down the middle and also provide a good social commentary that takes talent stacy you had the opportunity to review this film lunch ladies uh give us like a brief synopsis of excuse me a brief overview of your opinion on this film huh. <clears throat> well lunch ladies it was such a fun film for me i mean um, you have these two lunch ladies who they are obsessed with being johnny depp's personal chefs you know and why not johnny depp is awesome um so <laughs> they <clears throat> The school that they work for, they go, they undergo some bullying, you know, from the students and the, uh, the principal as well. Or a little, overgo a little bit of bullying, and um, 
one student push, pushes them a little bit off the edge or pushes one of them a little bit off the edge to where things go wrong and a very surprise twist to it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to give away any spoilers. Yeah. We'll let the poster art speak for itself. Uh, I have to note that Lunch Ladies won the best horror comedy short at the Nightmares Film Festival 2017. And uh, yeah, I did see the commentary about bullying. Stacy, did you notice that the film, also, if you want to get on a psychological level, it also had that message of perseverance because you have these two ladies under extreme odds trying to fulfill their long uh, life dream to make uh, to be Johnny Depp's personal chef. Yes, I saw that. Like even so much so that they would just like continue on with their you know their undesirable nine to five just to make it happen yeah that was a there goes see another another prime example of how nine to five uh, messes up your creativity workflow because they were working as lunch ladies and that was just messing them up mentally they didn't know what to do Uh, wow on a psychological level there was so many social commentaries that's that was appropriate uh for interpretation but the comedy it was so wacky oh my gosh that was so cool the dance routine and uh, it had a lot of everything and without further ado here is my interview with clarissa jacobson and jm logan My name is Ken Artuz, founder for DK Mag. Joining me this afternoon is director J.M. Logan and writer Clarissa Jacobson for the horror short film that screened at Nightmares Film Fest and is making a circulation film festivals, Lunch Ladies. Thank you (laughs) (laughs) for um, your time in this interview. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Great. And um, these are general questions across the board. Uh, I'll start off with, uh, well, usually I'll say uh, state your name before you answer the question, but I don't think the audience is going to have a problem. Uh, <laughs> <with your voices. laughs> I'm <think> Clarissa. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first question is, a, is an icebreaker. Uh, the film Lunch Ladies comes across as a horror comedy with comedy elements being the most dominant. What were opinions when uh, the reactions for the jovial side of the film instead of the most serious topic at hand? What, so, what were the opinions? Do you want to take that one? Yes. Um, you mean when people first saw it or when I, I, I first came up with the idea? When people first saw it. Well, luckily, I've, it seems to have found its its cult audience. Um, I, I, at first, I mean, Josh and I had a lot of, we talked a lot about this because 
we thought that it was kind of, it was just a, I always would, you know, if you had to choose between if it's a horror or it's a comedy, I always thought it was a comedy. But what's really interesting is it really appeals to people who love horror. So people who are into horror, they, they get a huge kick out of it. And, and once we found that cult audience into the horror comedy, they, they loved it. They thought that the, the gore was just right, but they laughed about it. And we've had, um, you know, the people outside of that, that, that genre, um, I, I just tend to, I mean, don't you find that, Josh, that most of the people that are into horror love it? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the, the horror audience and just in general, you know, I, I worked in makeup effects for a really long time and got to know the, the horror audience. And the, I mean, I'm part of the horror audience. <laughs> and right. it seems like, you know, if you can make them both laugh and feel disgusted then you know that's that's kind of how they that's that's kind of the ideal marker for for a horror audience i mean they're they're you know obviously it is more comedy than horror and i really thought of it as a comedy as well but you know if you can if you can work horror into your comedy i think you can find a very happy audience totally as a matter of fact when i when i i had another short that i'd brought to josh First, and then when I, he found out about lunch ladies, he's like, "Oh yeah, whore people are gonna lose their shit over this." Because <laughs> he, he insisted to me, to, he insisted, he's like, "I really want to do lunch ladies." I'm like, Good, "I like that one better too." <laughs> yeah, I, I love to laugh and I love to be disgusted. So I'm, it's been really awesome to see how uh, how well received it's been, and you know when uh, when people start laughing, it's really one of the most gratifying things there is. Totally. I'd say you, there, there are so many moments there that is so it's cringeworthy, but in such a humorous way. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, my my colleague Stacy Cox, she noted that lunch ladies delves on bullying. Uh, when I when I saw the film, I interpreted it as being a film about perseverance. So there's so many layers of interpretation uh, when you guys created this concept. What what were your intentions on these uh, multi-layered uh, aspects? <laughs> Go ahead, I mean, Okay. Well, when I came up with the idea, my my dad is a is a high school was a high school teacher, and my entire life. I've heard about how high school teachers, faculty, how horrible they've been treated. And this is kind of in some weird way also an ode to all those people that work in high schools and what they have to put up with. And the underdog and someone living in this small town. It is about perseverance and about dreams and about um, going for what you want that even in these, even somebody that you wouldn't think would have a dream, like a lunch lady has like the biggest dreams in the world and it is about how they're treated as well and that gives you empathy for them because everybody's been in that situation and one time where they felt like the underdog or the you know the least person on the totem pole and and the feature the lunch ladies it's just one thing on top of the other you know between the the kids treating them like crap the you know making fun of them the fat uh the 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 principal not giving them what they need to do their job, their hands are tied. So it, it is on both levels. It is about dreams and perseverance, but it is about, about like the 
the underdog, and um, they are bullied, <laughs> and they get the revenge. And then uh, Josh just ran with it, and really. Um, go ahead, talk about what how you felt about it. Well, I mean, really, it's all it's all universal themes. I mean, you can fit it into a box of a horror comedy, but ultimately, if you look at it as just a story, it's about two ladies that that live in their that live in their own world that have constructed this world around themselves uh, of things that they love and things that they enjoy and they've devoted their lives to that and when they feel it uh, the danger of it being taken away they're going to respond like all of us would they're going to they're going to fight to keep it and so i mean it's it's really what makes them such wonderful characters that you know they they end up doing bad things but their their intentions are not bad they're just trying to get through the day they're trying to get they're trying to, you know, get get to the ultimate goal, um, and you know, this is that's that's what I think really uh, speaks to people because it's just it's a universal theme about you know letting nothing stop in the way of what your dream is. And they're good people. Uh, they just have a hard life, <laughs> so they murdered somebody. They're good people. Really, they're good people. Yeah. Or they 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 would not have murdered that cheerleader if you know if if they had a choice really. Yeah, and she kind of had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is so true. Without giving away uh, too much about there, um, and it's funny because when I was watching this film, uh, I just finished reading the book from Mark Mark Manson, and and in it, some of the things that I saw in the film were what what this author wrote in his book. How you know you you go to your goals. You, you go straight away, and even if your intentions are bad, uh, you just keep going because that's the only thing you want, your tunnel vision. And that's what makes these characters so lovable. Uh, amazing work, actually. Thank you. <laughs> what was, what Thank was you. the book you just, what was the book you were mentioning? Yeah, I don't know that book. Uh, Mark Manson's latest book is, uh, hmm, let's see. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, ironically, I give so many right fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I give so many fucks. And I think the lunch ladies give a lot of fucks too, but you know, shit happens. Everything's an accident. They didn't mean to until they do. Mean to. <laughs> exactly. And they, and they, they run with it. They run with it. They say, well, this is our dream. You ain't, you ain't messing with our dream. We would have could. And that's what makes these characters so lovable and in such a good way. Yeah. Thank They're just you. solving problems, man. Just solving problems. Just solving problems. <laughs> now, for the production, how did everything come together? Because we have a song and dance routine here, just a little bit going on, and that scene with the pie eating. Oh, God. How did that, how did that flow? <laughs> um. Well, the, the dance sequence is really interesting how that came together because in the script, I, I, I have like a, a rhythmic scene written where they they dump trays in rhythm and, and Josh had said, yeah, you know, maybe we can do some dance or something. And my mentor, who was also a producer on the <coughs> piece, he was a tap dancer on Broadway and he said to me, what do you think about doing like a mashup, like a hip hop, ballet, tap dance mashup with the students? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're going to do, but you're the most talented person I know. So go for it. And Josh was totally open to it. And we didn't know how we had auditions. We got amazing dancers 
and we didn't know. They prepped for like two months, but we didn't know. We only had like an hour and a half or two hours in the lunchroom. We didn't we didn't know how it was going to turn out, and I was like freaking out, hiding in the back. And <laughs> when they, I was, I did not want to come out because I was so nervous. We also didn't know if enough extras were going to show up. I was just like, this could be like the hugest disaster. I have no idea. And then, of course, Josh also picked the music, which was Prokofiev, which is like the hardest thing in the world. I don't even think Josh knows this, but it's like the hardest thing in the world to choreograph to. And Joe was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? This is like so hard. But when they did, first of all, the dances were amazing and they, they, they nailed it right away. And then Josh was able that we had like the best extras in the world. And Josh was able to incorporate the dance sequence and the dumping. And it just, it just worked. And it was just weird and off and fit that surreal world. And it was kind of like this wonderful coming of ideas together that worked. <laughs> what is your recollection? Yeah, it was really Josh? like, it, it was one of those just really kind of magical things about uh, about the the many incredibly blessed moments that we had in in the making of this movie. But you know the the idea that I that I started with was you know based on Clarissa's script the 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 rhythmic ideas, and so I thought you know in trying to push the exaggerate the reality a little bit of the entire short, I thought well let's let's make this like a factory more like you know, like a, a Soviet Eastern Bloc kind of, you know, rhythmic movements of, you know, lunch, the, the trays move and the food slams down and slop and then the trays move and the food slams down and slop. And then while we were discussing the scene, then Joe popped in and he's like, well, why don't we, why don't we put some dancers in there? And well, well, yeah, I mean, obviously dancers belong in this sequence. And then he was like, so we got tap dance and why don't we pull in some hip hop? And why don't we pull in some ballet? I've got ballet friends. Let's audition ballet dancers. They love to be on camera. And let's just, he just sort of built this whole thing. And, you know, we all just kind of kept adding to it. And then he brought in dance captains for the like someone separate to, to choreograph the hip hop, someone separate to choreograph the ballet. And then, you know, we had meetings occasionally and talked about, you know, well, let's put them in these basic areas. But, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that by, by all rights should never have worked at all. But just by the fact of, uh, of the really many amazingly talented people that just kind of all came together and, and made it work. It was, it was really, it was one of those moments as a filmmaker that just kind of make you go, this is what I live for. Like everybody expressing themselves for, and, and, you know, doing their own art that they love all at the same time and all for one ultimate goal. It was really cool. It was insane. I have to tell you the funniest thing too. The other thing was we didn't have money for costumes. So I found all the extras, and Josh was like, he looked at their pictures. We hadn't even met them until that day, and he's like, okay, these guys are the nerds. These guys are the blah, blah, blah. These guys are the jocks. These guys, and I just sent them emails. I was like, just show up like this, and gosh darn it, if they didn't, like, you give people some responsibility. They all showed up in, like, the most amazing I mean, it goes fast in the in the thing, but if you could actually really look at it really close, like there's your goths and they're all dressed in black. There's your rockers, and you know, and it was just like, and I remember hiding out, and the production assist uh, production coordinator Estelle came running in. She's like, "Oh my God, you got to see it! It's totally working! It's totally working!" Like we couldn't believe it was working. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, a wonderful experience that it worked. <laughs> And um, I, I was observing when I was watching the short, and I got to tell you, uh, the actors were spot on because sometimes I see a film, a high school type film, and you're not 
you're not a teenager. You come on, that five o'clock shadow is showing too much a bit. There. <laughs> <laughs> so, that ain't working out. <laughs> well, Daisy had just turned sixteen. She had ju- the girl played the cheerleader had just turned sixteen. Wow. And yeah. many and of the actors was, we had were under eighteen. She was one of the most yeah. amazingly prepared actors, also like. You know, this was, it was a, she was a friend of Clarissa, or a, the daughter of, Shana. of Clarissa's friends. Shana, yeah. oh, one of Shana's friends, one of the producers. Yeah, Shana was our producer, and, yeah, one of our producers. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what, she just expressed an interest in acting. So we asked her to do uh, a, uh, like a, to video herself doing an audition and doing the lines. And, you know, just based on that, it was like, okay, well, you look great. And this is, you know, you're, you can clearly act. But man, when she showed up on set, she was one of the most on-point actors I've ever worked with. Knew all of her lines, knew exactly what to do, took direction perfectly, um, and just like she knew, she she knew what she needed to do. I mean, that character is so clear <laughs> as to what she needs to be, and she was just totally spot on. It was really, it was really great. She was terrific. And she didn't complain either. Like she had, she had driven down from Santa Barbara because she was going to college. She was doing part-time college. And she had, yeah, sixteen she year had old down. in college. Yeah, and she had driven down that day, and it was going late. And her mom and dad were so awesome. Her dad is a producer on Criminal Minds, and her mom was an actress at one time. And and they and I just kept calling them. I was, you know, Josh was working with her. It was getting late. It was like nine o'clock at night when we finally got to their scene. And I remember talking, and her mom was like, "Okay, well, we're, you know, when is she going to be back?" And we just, you know, we just kept in contact and. Daisy never complained once, and her parents were super cool. And we, I think we got her out of there like nine thirty, but she was great. She was just great. Hey, Josh, um, I couldn't really talk too much about the pie sequence because um, Josh had choreographed all that and done all that, so maybe he wants to. <laughs> the pie uh, sequence. Yeah, because he was asking you about the pie sequence at the end. Like, I think we had like ten minutes to do that. It felt like. <laughs> Everything yeah. felt like we had ten minutes to do it. <laughs> the eating, remember? Because that was right. We filmed that right up to the dance sequence. The um, with the uh, the making the pies or the or the um, the T Rex. Oh, I thought you were talking about which part were you talking about? The eating of the pies at the end. The eating of the pies at the end. Oh, the eating of the pies. Yes. Yeah, boy, that was that was also really tight because you know we had fifty some odd extras for the whole lunchroom scene, but then by the end of the day, they had to start because of the, the, the rules for using uh, younger actors under 18, a lot of them had to leave. So we were just left with like the handful that came late. And, um, you know, it was supposed to be a whole lunchroom filled with kids eating pies, but, um, but we, we had only narrowed it down. So we had to shoot it in really, really tight shots, but it ended up working great. And, you know, all of them were, were so much fun with, um, experimenting with the different ways of eating and, uh, and, and, you know, ramping it up from just being like, mm, this is good to eat each other's pies. Exactly. And um, they, they really, they, they got into the spirit very quickly. Yeah. Well, well I, I think things happen for a reason because if you would have had a, a wider shot with the lunchroom food with kids, it wouldn't have that same impact, that tight shot, everybody getting sloppy. That worked. Mm-hmm. That was much better. <laughs> that was Thanks. Cringe worthy. That lunchroom was huge. That <laughs> lunchroom was huge. You were like, oh my God, how are we going to make this look full? Yeah, we you could have fit 500 way. people in that lunchroom. Like, it, it was a really large room. It shows. You had a stage in there, too. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you have to have a stage. I don't, That's where the, 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 the nativity plays happen. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things that Josh came up with, was he told the set designers that he wanted this really jacked set in the back. And you can't really see it that much, but, I mean, it gives the whole end of it. But it's like... It's the stupidest looking set with like a hanging sun and these cardboard trees. <laughs> and the set designers did an amazing job with it. It's such an incredible job. And another incredible um, aspect of the film is when the horror aspect um, makes its uh, shining moment. And that's when the two main characters start chopping up the body and grinding it up. <laughs> How did how how was that uh, come into play? Because that was it looked real. The, the special effect, the practical effect. I'm 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 a big practical effects guy, and I gotta say that that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there so there are only eight world. visual effects. Only eight visual effects in the movie. Because I completely agree. I think that wherever you can use real things, it's always going to be better. You know, it, it, there's especially coming from a background in special effects. You know, I, I was going to be really, and, and not having a lot of money for this, you know, I was going to be really specific about how things looked. So I, I designed it in a lot of ways around to make the, you know, take, take the best aspects of what does makeup effects do best and what does visual effects do best and try and keep it as practical and precise as possible to make sure that everything looked really, really good. And Matt Folletta, who was the SFX guy, just did, I mean, he did an amazing he did yeah, exactly Matt, like what we wanted, which was not. Matt's didn't my want favorite. It to like I mean, I, I go I go back to Matt with, to to 1997. We started working on effects shows together in 1997, and then he stayed working in effects for uh, what is that 20 20 years now. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And you know, I I I I diverged. I I I, uh, I changed my path, but he uh, he continued on in effects and has remained a very close friend and uh, and just did such an incredible job. He, he really bent over backwards to make sure that everything looked amazing. And, and amazing it did, let me tell you. Oh, wow. Even those pies, those, I can't stop thinking about those pies. The, 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 the <laughs> body parts in those pies is like, oh, gosh. It was, it was like, actually really disgusting looking when I saw it because I did, you know, you write it and I just was like, oh, that came out of my mind. That's really disgusting. <laughs> meatballs in the pies. I was like, that's disgusting. It, it, it was it was soylent green. I tell you, that's what it was. Totally. We had an amazing lady who did all the food too. Um, I had a friend who was a producer on it, and her mom. She had her mom who didn't even really want. Her mom was like, "I don't care if you even put me in the bio. I just did it because she's your friend." And she showed up and made like all these pies, and some of them were fake. Just the tops were real, and did this. And Matt helped with the, with the food too, but she did the pies. Yeah, she did the pies. Wow, that would become a good marketing campaign. You could, you could go to the next film festival and have the pies. Right? We have a lady from Twisted Wonderland Perfumery who I'd met on Instagram, and she loved the movie, and she made um, ear pie soap. You can buy the soap with, like, an ear and a finger in it now. Awesome. It's soap. It's soap. <laughs> it's soap. And it's lunch lady. Lunch lady. Lunch is served. Ear pie soap. That is awesome. 
that that's yeah. that goes to show you the creativity and, and horror. It could go in any in any direction. <laughs> you know, people are amazing. People have come up with the, the craziest things. There's so many marketing things you could do. It's funny. Exactly. And now, congratulations because uh, Lunch Ladies won Best Horror Comedy Short at Nightmares Film Festival. Uh, congratulations on that award. And Thank with you. saying that, uh, what is next on the agenda? Are we looking at an, another slate of short films or perhaps um, an expansion on Lunch Ladies? Well, I, I wrote the feature first. So the feature has been done. Um, that took 18 months to write. And I made the short, I wrote the short from the feature. So the whole goal of this, more than anything, I mean, film fests are awesome. They're so much fun. But the goal of this is just have somebody see the short and see that it has legs and see that people like it and want to give us the money for the feature. I'm first and foremost a writer. So I, I just want to get my work done that way. Now, Josh is doing a lot of other things. He's, so I let Josh talk about his what he's got on the horizon. I know he has a short, another short coming up. Well, how many other, you've got a bunch of finished scripts though, don't you, Clarissa? Like you've been writing for a long time. So yeah, I mean, I got it's, a not, bunch it's of not just about lunch ladies. It's also about starting a, starting a career as a screenwriter. And this is kind of yeah, you know, exactly. a, a foot in, exactly. a foot but in I mean, the door. I don't have any films. I don't have work. any short film ideas. Like, I mean, I don't, I, this, this one is like, you know, this was, the best experience I've ever had, the hardest thing I've ever done. And, you know, I'm just going to riot as much as I can to get the feature made, but I don't have any, um, I don't have a short film or anything going out. And I know Josh has a film called The Garage Sale that just came out and he has another. So I'm just let Josh tell you a little bit about what he's doing. Yeah, I, I try and stay busy. This has been a, a pretty good year. I, I have an interactive feature film that's, uh, that's pretty much straight comedy. It's comedy drama uh, called The Garage Sale that uh, we released in September on, an, on a platform called Echo Studio, which is um, an interactive, uh, it's basically, they're, they're trying to be like an interactive YouTube where it's a free platform and it's node-based uh, video storytelling. So essentially you, you create videos that when you come to the end of one video, you have a choice that's given to the audience and they can you know, choose path A or path B and you can, you can assemble that in whatever way you like. Uh, it's a really cool, innovative company. So we made a, um, a a comedy that's essentially three 20-minute short films that all happen simultaneously at the same location. So the audience is given the choice as to which couple they want to follow, and then the couples interact, and then the the customers that are shopping from table to table to table move around. Um, so you know, and it gets it gets there's some serious moments, but mostly we tried to make people laugh. So uh, that's out now. It's on uh, Echo Studio. And uh, and also on our website, our website, the uh, the garage sale, the garage sale movie dot com, and uh, and then I'm also finishing another short film right now that we just shot with a, a friend of mine called One Million that uh, we're trying to get out before the end of the year, and um, that one's an even more different uh, genre. It's it's uh it's about a a vlogger that gets lost in the woods and is forced to uh, come to terms with detaching from the digital reality and uh, and deal with uh, more natural enemies. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I've got that. And then, uh, and then my, uh, uh, I made a documentary that we released earlier this year called the disunited States of America, which was a, it's a movie about American culture in the three months leading to the election last year. 
uh, and we just won best uh, social issue documentary at the Atlanta Film Fest as well as best cinematography. So we're we're trying to get that more circulated out there now that people are are uh, starting to wonder how we got into the the place that we are now. Right. I also want to say with uh, just on another note with Lunch Ladies is like we're just in the beginning. I mean we we just started our film fest run in August. And we, I'm trying very hard to get in as many international fests to show that the comedy will play internationally. We're going to be in Sydney next month, um, and uh, that's what we're doing, just trying to get it out there as much as possible, promote it every single day. I have, uh, we have a website, lunchladiesmovie.com, which has a ton of information, blogs, school store, fan art, <laughs> all kinds of cool stuff just to try to get the word out. So that's that's where that is. And hopefully next year will be pretty amazing because uh, that's when the majority of the film fests are happening and we've already had a really good ride this year and it's been really wonderful. Yeah, we just played South Africa and we're getting into Mumbai. Um, so we're, we're, we're making the rounds across the world and, and Clarissa is doing an amazing job in promotion. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> She can be used as a as a template for exactly what a producer should do with uh, the out there. Because I mean, she's you know, do, well, I mean, the reason that you guys even know about us is because of Clarissa's hard work and working on it every day to to try and raise awareness. This has been a really amazing like grassroots campaign to to get to get people to see this this weird little short film, and um, and she's done an incredible job of just getting the word out. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Well. Yeah, right. I'm excited yeah. about it, and I really believe there's an audience. And you know, if one person wants to see it, if there's a, if there's, I don't care how big the film fest is, how prestigious it's to be seen, and if one person sees it, that's something, you know. So we're just plugging along, trying to get the word out. Yep. Exactly, and and that's that also ties into because some uh, entrepreneurs are either creative or they are into the grind they like to promote and others that you know you either one or the other so it's good to have that combination of both being a creative and grinding to promote uh what you work so hard on uh, so does that seem a little difficult like promoting and you know wearing different hats cre- creative wise and doing a promotion for me uh i i, I used to be an actress and I, and I always did it i don't i didn't I really had to get my brain around bugging people. That was really hard for me. I was like, oh, God, you know, like if a person sees one more post of mine, they're going to hate it, you know. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I I have this amazing project that all these amazing people helped, that all these amazing people brought everything. Josh has this amazing problem, a problem project. And it's we have one year, basically, and we need, and we're going to just, you know, we put so much time. I mean, it was like seven, I think it was like six months of prep. And then it was like nine, you know, eight months of writing, the, or five months of writing the script. So it's been like, it was a year to get it. So then to just let it sit there and not work every day at it. And nobody's going to do it for you. Sure, you can hire somebody, but are they going to know the film like you? Are they going to have the passion like you? And I'm the person that's got to do it. And I've got, and Matt Flood has helped me a lot. Josh has helped me a lot. I mean, everybody, I've had so many people help me. And the main obstacle I've had to get over, which I finally think I've gotten over it, is more worrying that I'm going to be bugging people. Because now I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to bug people. 
about it. Seriously. I am. They're going to be so sick of hearing about lunch ladies. They're just going to have to, you know, give it more love. Exactly. Uh, and that's that's all part of marketing, uh, p- pushing your brand, yeah. pushing uh, your ideas. And the thing is, we're living in a great time that we have social media at our disposal, and it's free. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had to learn that curve, too. I had to get back on Facebook. I love Instagram, which you can tell because I've got tons of followers on Instagram and not so many on Facebook. But, um, yeah, and then I had to get onto Twitter and, you know, have the website. Like, it just had to embrace doing all those things. And instead of looking at it as, oh, I hate this, which is how I felt about Facebook for a long time, I had to look at it like, no, why? Be thankful you have a project that you can promote and people want to hear about it. So, you know, just changing my thinking about, oh, it's grind. I don't want to do this. And be more like, oh, yay, I have something exciting to talk about, you know? So. Yeah. Instead, instead of looking at... Uh, not looking at, but instead of seeing the uh, kitten feed, you know, pictures of kittens going in your in your daily feed, you you could put it to good use. That's, that's exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you do have to get your brain around it, though. You have to like think in a positive way towards it. Because at first, I was thinking kind of negative about it. I was like, oh, I don't want to spend an hour and a half a day on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And now I'm I've like changed my thinking completely around. Where I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I get to talk to people about this passion of mine you know yeah it's all an opportunity to to make great things happen you know you make something that you're really proud of and using it as as an opportunity rather than as a you know being being a big pain in the butt right exactly (laughs) exactly sometimes it's a pain in the butt but (laughs) (laughs) but but you can think positively about that pain in the butt yeah, and you want people to see your work. You you know, like you didn't make it to be sitting in a void there, you know. So, got to talk about it. You have to. You have to. And uh, right, we're concluding right now for our interview, and this is the part where I ask the interviewees to come up with a question for the audience to answer. It could be any t- any questions like, "What's your favorite color?" Anything that pops into your head. One question for the audience. Question for the audience about horror, about anything, food, pies. (laughs) Hmm. God, why am I coming up with nothing? I want to come up with some some brilliant question, and I'm like, uh, hmm. It's 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 a it it gives you a brain fart for a second there. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would like to know from from the horror audience which classic horror villain they most sympathize with. Oh, that's good, Josh. Good one. I got nothing. Josh, can you come up with another one for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was so proud of that one. <laughs> Uh, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, how about for for Clarissa, polling the audience on uh, on a movie that they would most want to see, which would be uh, a quick a good question as a writer of like what are what's the thing that they've been that they've been wanting that no one has made yet. 
Ah. Oh, that's good. Thanks, Josh. That's why we work so well together. (laughs) This teamwork right there. You're my right arm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Excuse me. Um, Now, uh, please do share social networking platforms. You uh, you mentioned uh, Instagram right there. You know, as the opportunity, you could plug that in right now, and, and where fans can tune in for Lunch Ladies information. Okay, there's Lunch uh, com, and there's a place to sign up for any updates, blogs, and all that. Um, there's Instagram and uh, Instagram and Facebook, Facebook, which are at Lunch Ladies Movie, and then Twitter, which is at Lunch Ladies Film. And then we do have a Pinterest and a YouTube, but you can find that all on the website. Everything you can find on the website. Great. And for me, I'm jmlfilm.com is my website. You can see everything that I'm up to on there. And um, and I, I'm also on Instagram, and it's uh, jmlfilm. Great. Uh, well, thank, thank you so much. And uh, for Clarissa, uh, Checking out your INDB, you were uh, served as voiceover for Dead Space Aftermath. <laughs> I have, I, I yeah, I wasn't. Well, I thought I wanted to be an actress since I was in the first grade. I thought I was an actress, and uh-huh. and I do like doing voiceover, and I've done several voiceover jobs and commercials and stuff like that. But I found writing about 13 years ago, and I was like, holy shit, I'm not an actress, I'm a writer. I love making characters, and I never looked back. So that's really my passion, and it just took acting to get there. But I do more voiceover work if something came along. I just haven't been pursuing it, and it does take a lot of time to pursue one or the other, and I've chosen writing. Amazing. You're you're the second uh, person that has mentioned the exact same, well, not the exact same phrase, but the same path in the career, uh, going from acting to, to writing. writing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, mm. I didn't, I didn't. I, you know, I, I was really serious about acting, but I never had, I don't like being looked at. I don't like being the center of attention. So that creates a problem. I love creating <laughs> characters. Yeah, as an, as an actor, that, that can be a problem. I'd be on stage and then I'd run, and then as soon as the thing was off, I didn't want to see any of the audience. I'd be like, I'm hiding in the back. Please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Much more comfortable as a writer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, so thank you very much for your time, and best of luck for you know personal endeavors and for lunch ladies in general uh looking forward to see what the feature film has to offer uh given that this little uh snippet uh oh my gosh it is a good combination of i'm not a big fan of comedy horror but i gotta admit this this really it, it takes a slice of the pie Oh, thank you. And thank you for doing the interview and supporting indie film and writing about it. It really makes a huge difference when people write about it and promote it and help promote. It's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And... Exclusive interview. On the 8th of November 2017, content contributor Stacy Cox had the opportunity to interview Chad Wrigley, 
for on his film 666 p.m. And I do have to note that some of the questions that were delivered were also provided by David Teixeira. He is also a content contributor here at DK Mag. David Teixeira had the opportunity to review the film. Be sure to visit DKMag.com to read that review. And in this interview, Stacy, uh, it's it's funny. This is a horror comedy that revolves around paranormal investigators. But it's I just saw the trailer. I haven't seen the film yet. Oh my gosh! I could tell that this is a this is one of those comedies that is just a, uh, what do you call that? Face palm face palm worthy <laughs> comedy right am i right yeah yeah it was a lot of face palm moments in that movie oh my gosh it's let me tell you so they do they have a what they have a mishmash of ghost and a serial killer is that what's going on <laughs> um <clears throat> so there's a serial killer who after <laughs> if I if I'm not if I'm understanding this, like before, he only targeted midget clown. I think what was it? Midget clown transsexuals or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh! It was, it was something weird. I think I want to say it was midget clown transsexuals. Wow. That he targeted in his prime time. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, this is this is a follow-up, not a follow-up continuation, but it's a, a, another film. Uh, David Teixeira reviewed Massacre on Isle 12 first. This is coming from also... Uh, it was also written by Chad Wrigley and it was it also starred Chad Wrigley. And of course for six 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 PM Chad Wrigley stars as Pete in this film and he also served as co writer. So it's a follow up in the perspective that this is his next project. David reviewed both films and let me say like I said, I haven't seen the film yet, but it's just that comedy element that it's okay. All right, but I, I, it's a clean comedy. It's not those comedies like Scream that's so raunchy. I don't, I don't have an appreciation for that. You don't need to be raunchy to be uh, humorous. And without further ado, here is our interview with co-writer, actor Chad Wrigley on his film 666 PM. This is Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. Joining me today is writer and actor Chad Ridgely. His latest project, 666 PM, has released on November 4th, 2017. Mr. Ridgely, I want to thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. My pleasure, Stacy. Uh, now, Mr. Ridgely, um, David, he couldn't be here today, but I know you remember um, having an um, him reviewing your film? Yes, I do. 
Yes, so I'm going to ask his questions first. And he says, uh, hi, Chad. Thank you so much for reaching out for the release and review of 6.66 p.m. I was really excited to do this after reviewing your first comedy horror massacre on aisle 12. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Yeah, um, David, David really enjoyed both of those films and that was really awesome. This is your second project with the same team, especially with Jim Clock. How did all of that come to life? Jim and I have known each other for probably about 10 years now. We met, uh, we met in Los Angeles, but interesting story. We were both, uh, we were both cops back in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, but we met out here on a, uh, on a bodyguard detail for uh, Michael Jackson. And uh, we became fast friends, and we both realized that we both had an interest in filmmaking, and we were both actors. And uh, that's kind of how that relationship got started. And we worked on a number of projects together over the years, uh, a number of short films and uh, features. And uh, we ended up, uh, we produced two films together. We produced Massacre on Isle 12, which is uh, an, another horror comedy um, about a new employee's first night on the job on Christmas Eve, and uh, they find a dead body in a duffel bag full of cash. And some of the employees are like, oh, my gosh, let's call the police. And some are like, well, that's a lot of money. We could split that. So all hell kind of breaks loose. Uh, there's some deaths involved and uh, a lot of comedy. And we had we had a lot of fun on that. We wanted to uh, we wanted to kind of replicate that feel, but uh, in a different way with 6:66 p.m. So um, um, we ended up uh, uh, doing that. 6:66 is uh, is about a team of ghost hunters who uh, they're making a reality TV show. So they go into these houses and they stage the house to make it look like make it look like it's really haunted, but uh, it turns out that this one actually is haunted by the ghost of a crazy serial killer. And uh, again, all hell breaks loose, shenanigans ensue. But uh, I've known Jim about 10 years, and um, uh, we, we go way back. We've, uh, we've had a lot of fun working on, on many projects together. I have watched 6.66 p.m., and I must say that it is a, it is a fun film. I loved it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Stacey. I'm, I'm so glad. We were really going for uh, like a, a kind of a, a silly, goofy feel on this one, and uh, <laughs> I, I think we hit it. Yeah, definitely. It really resonates on screen, your passion towards comedy. I know you do some stand-up, and now that you have experience in cinema, are you willing to go out of your comfort zone and experience another genre? Yes, uh, as as a comedian, I do like to do comedy, <laughs> but um, I I actually have a, a regular uh, a straight horror film that's uh, that's all set that I've written, and uh, that one uh, that one may be next on the radar. But uh, yes, uh, I'm I'm excited just being able to do any kind of performance, whether it's acting in a drama or uh, a comedy or you know, heaven forbid, a romance, uh, I, I could, uh, I, I'd love to do it. And I, I believe that growing as an actor is, is what it's all about and getting experience in different things so that you can do multiple projects. As much as I love comedy, I have a hard time not cracking jokes. Um, 
So it, it would it would actually uh, it would actually be nice to to do something where um, I'm not doing that. But I I think even when the cameras were to stop, I would still be funny, Chad. <laughs> would you have any tips to readers that are passionate about comedy or any personal stories that you would like to share? Well, the place where we were shooting 6.66 p.m. really was, we were convinced, really was haunted. Uh, there was there was at this old, old farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, interesting, it was in a small town on the east coast of the United States in uh, New Jersey. And uh, the town, if it was even big enough to be a town, but the place was called Egg Harbor City, which was really weird because I didn't see any eggs anywhere. There was no harbor and uh it's definitely not big enough to be a city but it was in the middle of nowhere and the uh this this old farmhouse things just kept happening there which were really weird uh, uh we would hear footsteps above the rooms that we were in even though there was no upstairs it was very it was really creepy so that that just kind of played into making the, the scary haunted house movie because uh, i think the house really was haunted Wow, that that's awesome! Like, so then, like, so how was it, like how how did it feel like being in an actual actually haunted house, and how did you how did you work in that environment? Well, we only not only did we work in that environment, we actually lived in that house while we were filming the movie. Um, some okay. some folks stayed. Uh, we put some folks up in uh, hotels, and uh, but the the. Uh, the producing staff, um, myself, Jim, Daryl Martinelli, and Lily Adams, we all stayed. Uh, we all stayed in that house as well as some of the cast because we had some of the cast coming from out of town. So many of us were staying in the house, and the fact that it did creep us all out really lent itself towards authenticity on the screen because it it really was a pretty creepy place to live. There was a bunch of different buildings on the property. There was a there was a goat uh, that lived there on the property. We actually got that goat in the movie, um, in a couple of scenes. <laughs> and uh, there was, it looks like the place was probably really cool, thirty or forty years ago, or fifty years ago, or maybe even longer. But uh, since it just became so just run down and very creepy, and it was winter, it was freezing, so that didn't. That didn't really help. I don't know, maybe ghosts like cold, but uh, there seem to be uh, a lot of them. <laughs> well, being being a cop, uh, did you feel the desire to investigate the haunting? <laughs> um, you know, there's a difference between chasing a bad guy into the dark and chasing the supernatural into the dark. And um, uh, the, the, the bad guy doesn't scare me the ghost definitely scares me. So yeah, there was a lot of trepidation amongst everybody about investigating all that stuff. And it, it would only seem to happen when we were by ourselves someplace. So that just made it worse. And it was always in the middle of the night. So no one else was awake that you could just say, Hey, what was that? Because it was just you. It was very horror movie ish, which is appropriate, I guess, because we were making a horror movie, but uh, uh, no, I wasn't too, excited about going into the dark to investigate the ghost. I could definitely imagine that. 
And what proved to be the most challenging for you, was it writing the script for 6.66 p.m. or was it acting in the film? I think the most challenging for me was the uh, on the production side. Uh, producing the film was a little difficult because we had a lot of outdoor shots and we shot it in December and it was just, so cold it was so so cold and that really kind of slowed us down a little bit because in between takes everybody wants to uh you know would go run inside and get warm for a little bit and then come back out and then shoot uh, but we got really really lucky on our third day i think of shooting we had so many outdoor scenes coming up and our third day we were going to be doing all indoor shots for some reason, we got just the weather turned nice for a day, and we had a 70-degree day. So we um, we switched all the shots that we were going to do that were inside, and we decided we we're going to shoot all our exteriors that day. And uh, Jim Clock did a stellar job of directing us through that day because it was uh, it, for us it was a 17-page day, which is just a tremendous amount of shooting to do, and. Uh, um, we, Jim was able to muster the crew and the cast and get everybody. And we all worked so expeditiously to get all that done. It was a, it was a mountain of a day. It was really challenging, but I think the weather, the weather was the hardest part to deal with for us with all the outside shots. And of course, when you're writing the scripts and then when you're, when your wardrobe department is getting everybody ready in their outfits, you don't actually, you don't give it that much thought that, okay, you know, you're just going to be wearing a T-shirt or something, and it sounds great when you're writing it, but then when you realize that you're shooting it in 25-degree weather, it's, it doesn't sound oh. like such a great idea after all. Um, Jim was lucky on those days because Jim got to wear, his character was wearing, like, a wool pea coat and a wool hat. So so he lucked out on the on the outside shots, but not so much on the inside shots because then he was all just hot and sweaty. But, uh, yeah, the weather was a bit of a challenge for us. But we had a great cast, great crew, and uh, we were able to, to get through it. Well, 6.66 p.m. is original. The story is fresh. Why is it important to be innovative in this day and age in cinema? I think you need to find a niche that maybe hasn't been as explored just to draw some traffic to your project. Um, um, Tommy McLaughlin co-wrote this with me and it turned out uh, uh, as, a, as a team, we were able to get a story that we thought had been done, but not this way because we wanted to make it silly and we wanted to make it fun and we wanted a bit of levity and lightheartedness about it. We didn't want to just make a regular haunted house movie. We wanted we wanted each character to be individual and stand out. We wanted uh, uh, we wanted to emphasize the fact that we were kind of poking fun at the genre, but at the same time, keep it on a serious note. The characters in this film, I love the fact that they are they're very unique. They all bring their each insecurity and their each set of circumstances to the screen and I like the fact that they're all really not that bright 
Um, the, uh, the amount of, you need a certain amount of stupidity in a horror movie, of course, to get stuff, uh, in, in terms of, uh, scares and, and jokes and, and kills. But I love the fact that these characters are just so endearingly confused about what exactly is happening. And I think that the interaction and the interplay between the, the cast, uh, Alexis Kelly, Jim Clock, myself, um, Robin Baker, who plays Stan, uh, Mike Bonomo, who plays uh, Emmett, our crazy killer, and Scott Burkhart. I think the interplay just meshed so well that we get some real, real gem moments on screen. I definitely agree. It was a very fun time. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much. And this last question is where we ask you to come up with a question for the audience to answer. Ooh, a question for the audience to answer. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so if you can... Hmm, I actually need to think about this one. So is this a question about... Uh, can you give me an example of, uh, uh, like, are, am I asking them a question about uh, the, something in the film or something if they figured it out or something like that? Just any question you want to answer. <laughs> okay. Want well, to ask. I, I'd like to know um, what they would do when confronted with a zombie cat. Ah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you stay and try and win the zombie cat over with treats, or do you flee, or do you try and make friends with it? I don't know. Um, my my character's solution was to run, <laughs> and I think that was probably uh, the wise one. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good one. <laughs> well, the platform is open. Please you know, um, share more about 6.66 p.m., um, other projects that you're working on, and this all your social media? Sure. Uh, well, 6.66 p.m., is, uh, it's available now on, on demand, so you can find it on iTunes, you can find it on Amazon, you can find it on Vudu with more platforms to come. And uh, we won Best Comedy Feature at the Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival just this past weekend. Uh, we were very excited to world premiere the film there at uh, the festival in Buffalo, New York. Um, Greg Lamberson and Chris Scioli did a fantastic job of running that festival. It was our second time there. We had world premiered Massacre on Isle 12 there last year. Great, great city, great crowd, great, uh, great supportive film community there in Buffalo. Uh, 6.66 p.m. was, uh, was just a, a blast to shoot, we were really fortunate to have everything come together to make that that movie happen, and it it was a fast process. We got the uh, I think the script finished in September of 2015, and we were shooting it at the the end of November, early December of that year. So it was a real fast uh, a real fast pre production process and a real fast uh, production process. The uh, we're really excited to see how people re respond to it. Uh, we think we we think we hit the mark in terms of the silly, goofy, 
comedy and at the same time get some good scares in there. So we're really excited to see how other people respond to it. Um, my social media, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as Chad Ridgely, just my name, no spaces. And yeah, that's it. Well, Mr. Ridgely, David, and I would like to thank you again for taking this time to meet with us at dkmag.com. My pleasure, Stacey. It was great. It was great chatting. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you liked the film and uh, really appreciate uh, the opportunity to interview with you and the KMAG. Trailer First Impressions, B-R-A-I-N-S. This is Elmer Davis again. There's something there. This is not another flying saucer scare. It's been tracked around the Earth by radar. Just a minute. Something is happening. May I speak freely, sir? You may. Sir, I thought we were here to discuss my program and this Sputnik mess. To kick off our trailer first impressions, here is the film Brains. That is B dot r dot a dot i dot n dot s brains it's the acronym here is the synopsis it is october 5th 1957 and with the soviet launch of sputnik 1 the space race has begun rogue air force general frank chapman is determined to establish a military base on the moon before the Russians using Nazi mad science headed by Dr. Werner Brandt. General Chapman has outfitted a modded German V-2 rocket with a non-scone capsule just large enough for a human head. The cephalic pilot will guide the rocket on a one-way lunar mission beating the commies to the moon. Serving as director is Jeff Broadstreet and the film stars John Cassier, Chase Williamson, Daniel Roebuck and Doug Jones makes an appearance and here's, here's a little special treat Trent Haga, actor, writer, all around filmmaker Trent Haga is in this film it surprised me because I've recognized him on that uh, general outfit when I attended the QuakeCon uh, convention a few months back. Trent Haga was sitting right across from me. We had a roundtable discussion. And the topic of that discussion was he had written the script for The Evil Within 2. Uh, He's a quiet, mild-mannered guy, uh, but it's, it's so different seeing him in that persona with the jeans and all cool-looking, and then to see him on screen in black and white with the general outfit. I just had to point that out. Anyway, wow, let me tell you, there is so much creativity that went into this film, Brains. Uh, it's just so comedic, it's so cheesy, it is a great homage to the 1950s sci-fi films. You can't, you can't 
criticize the graphics you cannot criticize the acting because during that era that's how films were made but here's here's the kicker i don't know if you guys have noticed this but the film is spliced with footage from other films the only other film that i remember did that was hmm uh kung pao kung pao into the fist yeah remember kung pao that yeah. they chopped uh, a martial arts film with the with the film with that yeah especially when he stepped up on the ships and he's like i want it. it no that's not kung pao that that's you talking about uh some other movie no kung pao was the one that he uh uh was a martial arts guy remember okay and it was like uh chosen I'm coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Stacy, have you seen the trailer for Brains? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I've seen the trailer for Brains, and I will tell you upon first watching it, I didn't know what the heck I was looking at. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, I had to watch it like a few other times. I literally watched it maybe five or six times. Like, what am I looking at? Yeah. And, I will say it has that. It has that. The only thing that ever made me feel this way was Eraserhead. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that ever made me feel like, what the heck am I watching that? You know, you gotta watch it a few times to even understand what's going on. And even after that, you're just like, so that's how I feel about watching the trailer. Exactly. I, but I would say it's a good thing because yeah, the trailer totally caught my attention. It's 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 a creative film. You can't criticize it. You can't say the graphics sucks or anything like that because it's meant to pay homage to the fifties movies, and that's yeah. how it was back in the days. Yeah, I loved it. I did. Like even watching like the trailer, the cinematography. Black and white and all of that. It reminded me of Eraserhead. I'm just like, <laughs> this is the only film that really, like, you know, just kind of like irks me, not in a bad way at all, but in a good way, to where it's like, what the heck is this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, I found one funny part on the movie, and it was when the two heads saw each other, and they were like, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> That's the part that I found the most funniest ones. Yes, I was confused at the beginning too, just like Stacy. Trying to think like, what the heck am I watching? A 1957 movie or what? It, 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 the trailer, I don't think the trailer did a good job. It was just so confusing. It was all over the place. What got me confused was Vincent Price. Was, he, what? What is Vincent Price doing there? But as I, you know, went over the synopsis, they cut out other movies, other cult movies. So you have Virginia Leith from The Brain That Wouldn't Die. You have Vincent Price, The Last Man on Earth, and Chris Well from Plan 9 from Outer Space. So they used all three of these films, chopped them up into, the, into this film Brain. So that's creative. That's creative. But at the beginning, I thought it was a zombie movie because it's called Brain. Right! I thought it was a zombie yeah, movie too. too. I was like, was this another zombie movie? I was like, okay, what's going on here? Like, you didn't watch 
Yeah, because I I read the synopsis and it says using mad science. I didn't say no mad science. I, I, nothing too extravagant. I was thinking a, 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 a zombie astronaut or something like that. That's what I was expecting. But it's it's cool nonetheless. I, I wanna I wanna see this movie just for the to, wow just to see the creativity that went behind emulating those cheesy fifty movies. Very cheesy. Cherokee Creek. You did take a look at all that information I sent you and study all those pictures, right? Of course I did. Good, because there was a shit ton of important information in there, and if you don't know it, you're going to get us both killed. He's out there. Cherokee Creek, directed by Todd Jenkins, co-written by Jared Fitchlow and Billy Blair. The cast stars Billy Blair, Natalie Jones, Nellie Sciuto, Terry Delpart, Todd Jenkins, and Justin Duncan. The synopsis, a bachelor party in the woods gets crashed by the ultimate party animal. Now, guys, and it cannot just, yeah, look at his shirt, just like, are you serious? But what did you guys think about the trailer? <laughs> I think the trailer <laughs> sucks. <laughs> exactly. Bigfoot, really? How yes. many movies are they going to make about Bigfoot? And they actually encounter Bigfoot and they got to... Yeah, oh, that was so cheesy. Yes, very cheesy. And then the, the, when the monster... At the last few seconds of the trailer, you hear the monster. Uh, uh, what the hell is that? <laughs> Come on! Yeah, I'm like, is this another Bigfoot movie? I was like, are you? And another cheesy Bigfoot movie at that. You can tell by the trailer how cheesy this movie is. It is cheesy. No, no. And I love me some Bigfoot, but no. No, 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 no. no. Not this type of Bigfoot. Next, no. next, no yeah, next, movies. next. Stop making Bigfoot movies. You stop making it. It's overplayed. Make a. I haven't seen a Loch Ness monster movie. They even have TV yeah. shows on it. Stop making movies. Oh, you have enough with the TV, the TV show. Oh, the TV show. A bunch of. Uh, Rednecks, dude. Yeah, hillbillies. Hunt, oh, come. You could tell that is so fake. Who yeah. watches that shit? Oh God! Well, I've never seen the TV movie, but as I keep saying, like I was that prime fan of sci-fi back in the days when all those <laughs> cheesy Bigfoot movies came on, and I'm just like, yeah, Bigfoot, yeah, Bottom of the Snowman, and everything. This movie, I was just like, no, 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 <laughs> no. enough already. No. What the heck? They, no. Last year we had like three or four Bigfoot movies, and come on, no. I mean, if you're gonna make a Bigfoot movie, make it at least. No more Bigfoot. No, movie. but at least show the monster. Just by this trailer, you could tell that the monster's not gonna be revealed until the last part of the film. And I know you enjoy that, Stacy. It's like the found footage film. It's like no, 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 no. Like that's exactly what I got from. It's like what is this like a found footage Bigfoot movie where you know you won't even see Bigfoot to the last few minutes. I'm like, at least sci-fi as a 
cheesy as the movies were, you saw Bigfoot in the movie. Yeah, but not in but this I, one. This one, I'm just like, yeah. No, yeah, sorry to uh, I'm gonna have to give this a pass. <laughs> I don't, I'm not interested at all. And the cinematography wasn't so good, and the acting was cheesy. The special effects was cheesy. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. uh, what the? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is that? Is he choking? The trailer, the trailer, the trailer was just like, are you serious? Like, the trailer was horrible. Terrible, terrible. All right, we're gonna give this a pass. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's all stomp out of here. <laughs> right. Stomping. <laughs> Uh, you know the best looking Bigfoot so far is the one from the commercials for the beef jerky. <laughs> yes! Right? That's the best looking Bigfoot uh, I've seen in a while. That's right. The messing with the Sasquatch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> funny. Happy Death Day. Oh hey, you're up. Happy birthday. Oh, hey, you're up. Happy birthday. I'm totally having deja vu. I've already lived through this day. <laughs> He's trying to kill me again. Again. Is everything okay? I have to kill him before he kills me. The trailer for Happy Death Day reminds me of the edge of tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Here you have a girl relieving her day every day trying to find out who kills her. I have a little comparison between the Edge of Tomorrow synopsis and Happy Death Day synopsis. Um, the Edge of Tomorrow synopsis is a soldier fighting aliens get to live the same day over and over again the day we start and every time he dies. Happy Death Day synopsis is as follows. A college student girl must live the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers who kills her. So the only difference is aliens and human as a killer. Um, this movie has been directed by Christopher Landon and is written by Scott Labdell and stars Jessica Roth, Israel Brozar, and Ruby Modine. It's available on digital January 2nd and on Blu-ray DVD January 18. So guys, tell me if there's any similarity with the comparison I just made. Of course. I was going to say the same thing too. Edge of, beat you to it. Edge of Tomorrow. Same shit. And it's from Bloomhouse. But Stacy just revealed that she saw, that she has seen, Happy Death Day. So Stacy, fill us in. Give give spoilers. Well, I have not seen Edge of Tomorrow, so maybe that's why I don't know the comparison. But Happy Death Day, I really liked it. Um, as you said, this uh, this girl, she wakes up one day i mean she's just reliving that same day her birthday by the way go figure her birthday and then till she figures out who her killer is and it has such a twist that i didn't even that i even didn't see coming like they used okay how do i do this without giving away my 
Spoilers, give it away, give away the spoilers. Come on, come on. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. So in the movie, there's this like serial killer, right? Serial killer, whatever. They use that as the answer, pretty much. They use him as the background, but it's not him at all. There's a big twist in it, and I'm like, wow, well, I didn't see that coming, but it, it's good. It is. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was gonna be good at first, but. Yeah, we reviewed the trailer for... Well, we gave our opinions on the first impressions for the trailer uh, a few months back in the, in the previous podcast episode. I still say... Th- I haven't seen it, but since I've seen Edge of Tomorrow and so many other films that the character has to go back in time... And find out who killed him. Find out who See, I haven't seen them. Edge of Tomorrow. That's why I didn't get the the reference. Okay, I didn't get the reference. I, See, for me, I see in those movies, I feel like it's the first movie. Go watch the Edge of Tomorrow, and you're gonna see it's the same thing. Yeah, he wakes up and he has to relive his life over and over and over and over again until and he say the same story. Say over the same and over. story. Well, yeah, that—that's what happened in the Happy Death. Right? <coughs> yeah, until she figured out, you know, who color was. Yeah, a boyfriend. The butler. No, neither one. <laughs> it's a big twist. No, it's a big twist. She was dreaming know. all along. At least watch that for the twist. Uh she's not gonna reveal. <laughs> <laughs> She's, She's gonna reveal it to us off, off, off the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when when it comes on uh, on television, then we'll watch it. But uh, yeah, how long is it gonna be? Yeah, I I am not eager to watch this film. T- <laughs> it just doesn't <laughs> pique my. I- and at the time, the trailer had uh, what was they had a song on there, right? What was? Hey, they have a song it's playing on the on the trailer. Right, right. Oh my gosh. No, it, it was it was just too die, much. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I didn't I didn't get the reference because I haven't seen those films, but um, yeah, it was a good twist in there. That, I, like I said, uh, at first I thought I knew what was going on. Then when he did that one twist, like that one little twist right there, was like, oh, okay, well. That's different. And she's twisting so much. Yeah, but that, it was like, it really was that one twist right there. The rest of it was like, okay. Okay, it's her birthday. She dies and she got she died in every day till she find out who her killer is. And okay, we gotta live out this day until we figure out who the freak her killer is. It's like, when we find it's like, oh, it's the serial killer. Like, he's a fucking killer. Like, there it is, right there. But it's like, no, it's not the killer. It's like, oh, okay. So then I guess it's her jealous roommate that's the killer. <laughs> the one who's been going after her her boyfriend that didn't know she was she even existed. It's like, oh. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. That twist. I'm sorry, but it was like, you know, it was a twist, but I'm laughing at it. She's like, you had sex with my boyfriend. Like, she didn't know you were alive. Like, 
Interesting. <laughs> I gave away the spoiler alert, sorry. Oh, she finally confessed. <laughs> finally. <laughs> that's that's sad. Like her her roommate, right? Her roommate has been treating her nice all this time, blah blah blah, you know. And um But I guess this one guy that she really liked in her mind, her and the guy was in a relationship, but they really weren't. He didn't know she even existed. But then she's like You've been talking to my boyfriend. You had some small boyfriend. I went for like, are you serious? Honey, he never knew you were alive, so he's not your boyfriend. So how are you going to be that? Meanwhile, she she bakes her a cake. She bakes her a cupcake for her birthday. A cupcake. Ah, so that's where they got the poster art from. She bakes her a cupcake for her birthday. Guess what? That cupcake. <laughs> that cupcake. <laughs> It was the cupcake that was killing her. That was the damn cupcake. I'm going to bake you a pie. Honey, I'm going to bake you a cupcake for your birthday. Here, how about There you go. A cupcake made out of weed. I gave away too many weed. No, if it was weed, weed don't kill. Oh gosh, here we go. Here we go. Got the spoilers coming. All up. right. Yeah, I know. I gave away too much. I gave away too much. <laughs> that was too much. Yes, that's a little bit too much. That's how we're going to end it I'm right sorry. there. With I'm the spoiler, sorry. finally, it was revealed. That was like the master spoiler. Sorry. I gave away way too much. Flash burn. Tell me what the hell you want from me, huh? What do you want? Do you know what is in there? The most dangerous virus known to mankind. How many were infected? There's someone else here. Hey! Flashburn. It is directed by Giorgio Serafini and it has a group of co-writers that includes Giorgio Sarfini and Gary Charles. Wow, that's a big group. Anyway, the synopsis to Flash Burn reads as follows. Wes Nolan wakes up in an abandoned warehouse with a case of amnesia. He has been kidnapped by someone named Lazarus, who has him held captive in an abandoned warehouse in order to get the cure for an Ebola outbreak as Wes was a virologist and microbiologist who was working to engineer a bacteria protein carrier to attack the Ebola before it could destroy human cells. Instead of destroying the Ebola, Wes protein mutated the virus into something much more potent. Now Wes must try to regain his memory and what really happened to make him end up where he is in order to try to find the cure uh let's talk about the synopsis did anyone understand what the hell the synopsis describes no 
<laughs> I mean, I read the synopsis twice before coming on the air, on air here, and it, it re- it's so repetitive. The opening sentence, he wakes up in an abandoned warehouse. Then the second sentence, held him captive in an abandoned warehouse. Then it describes him uh, as a virologist, a microbiologist working on the Ebola outbreak. Then they repeat that again in the third sentence. It's like, and then you watch the trailer, and the trailer is just as confusing as the synopsis. I don't know what the hell is going on. I thought it was a film that the guy usually uh, there's one actor isolated, and he has to make decisions in order to survive. Here, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if he was a doctor. I don't know if there were zombies outside. Then they have this exciting action uh, music playing, and it's just a bunch of doctors putting on bio suits. What the hell's going on here? I don't know. Did anybody understand this concept here? Any? No. <laughs> I well, for sure, I know one thing Lazarus didn't want anyone to get cured because he sure was screaming for Lazarus and Lazarus never tried to help him so and then another thing that I find corny in movies is when you wake up from something and you are somewhere and the first thing that you say is hello is anybody there that is like so played out why can you just be quiet you don't know if that hello was gonna kill you exactly and why do they say hello is it, it makes it sound like they heard that song hello is it me you're looking for <laughs> <laughs> no i was thinking i was thinking about that <laughs> other song that other song hello <laughs> stacy did you understand what the hell is going on in this trailer no no right and if you read the synopsis it's confusing they it's repetitive even the name of the movie itself, Flash Burn. Yeah. Psst, got burned. Yeah. I, I was, when I first, when I saw the title, I thought it was about uh, a spaceship, like going towards the sun, and they have to figure out how to get the spaceship off course so that way they can survive, or that a group of people are trapped somewhere and they're going to burn to death if they don't figure out a way out. What does Flash Burns say about this movie? Even the title is confused. This just is... I don't know about For this. For a second day, second day, I thought it was Flash. No. Burn. Burn. Oh. <laughs> burn. 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 Wow. Hey, I I don't know what to say about this film. I, I, I see what they're trying to go, but uh, it is so confusing in every direction. Z-Bubs. The day ended like any other day. Roses are red, violets are blue, we may be poor, but I so love you. Amazing how fast eight years goes by. Nothing could keep us apart. Don't worry, sweetie. I got this.
Z-Burbs will release on video on demand on November 21, 2017. Directed by Greg Zakowski, who also writes the script. Produced by Indican Pictures. The cast stars Mariah Delfino, Gina Hatch, Bill Oberst Jr., Ian Alda, and Clint Carmichael. The synopsis, when a suburban housewife discovers that her husband has become a zombie with an appetite for human flesh, she decides to make it work by feeding him, but only bad people, until the government discovers he could be a great weapon. Now they must make a tough decision. Now, in it, <laughs> is it just me or did this sound very familiar to Santa Clarita Diet? Well, to me, it's a male version of the Santa Clarita with a twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same <laughs> thing. Just the male version. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I felt. I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds same very thing. familiar to Santa Clarita Diet. Well, what did you guys think about the, I mean, about the trailer? The trailer, I, I, I didn't, that's when I first spoke, uh, the introduction for Lunch Ladies, I mentioned that I am not a big fan of comedy horror because you have to have a creativity to blend the two. And not only that, you have to provide social commentary as well. So this trailer did not make me laugh. The cinematography was just wacky. The acting was not so good. Uh, and it's a ripoff of Santa Clarita Diet. Yes. That's, yes! That was my impression. Because we don't know what's going to happen in season two if the military finds out that. So that could be a plot for season two. And they have it in this film. Well, one thing uh, that I noticed in, um, in the trailer it's a. You have the light on in your bedroom. You hear a sound and then you wake up and you turn the light off. What was the point of you turning the light off if you already heard the sound and the light was on already? Yeah, they're trying to be funny. They're trying to be funny. They made me funny. That's what I'm saying. They made me laugh. Yeah, it's just stupid. Come on. If you're going to do comedy and horror, make it funny. Don't make it stupid. For that, I go watch um, Santa Clarita again. Exactly. And not only that, this is the type of stupidity that they try to put as comedy. Like in Ghostbusters, when the secretary heard a loud noise and he's covering his eyes. That's not funny. It is stupid. It is not funny. You're just making it worse on the movie by doing something like that. Yep. You sure are, but... And then the fact that this is taking place in the suburbs. Yeah, just like Santa Clarita. That's why it's called Z-Burbs. Yep, I think people made that connection. <laughs> yeah, that was too obvious. So, our so that's a no Yeah, of for course. me? That's a no for me too. I, I like originality and I like creativity, especially with comedy. I'd rather have Drew Barrymore. Yeah, who yeah. wouldn't? Woohoo! <laughs> uh, Stacy, what are your thoughts? I know you, you gotta watch this, aren't you? No, I'm sorry, <laughs> but well, well, like I'll watch it, whatever, for curiosity. But like I said, just 
read the synopsis and watch and turn just like this sounds very familiar to Santa Clarita. It sounds like a complete ripoff is what it sounds like. A com because while watching the trail, it's like, yeah, this is just Santa Clarita diet. It is, it is. And remember, it's Santa Clarita Diet. That was innovative because there was nothing else compared to that one. Yeah, nah, they make yeah, movies exactly. compared to that. Yeah, and then you just like the synopsis when a suburban housewife discovers that her husband has become a like like, and it said it's the male version of Santa Clarita Diet. And Santa Clarita Diet, it was Drew Barrymore. She was the one that came out. But wow. this one, it's her husband. It's like, yeah, okay. Might as well wait for yeah. season two. That's it. <laughs> Which will be when, I don't know, season two should have came out by now. Is there going to be a season two? <laughs> I feel like it should have come out by now. Yeah, it should have come out by now if there was going to be a season two. They make there you wait. That's two. the problem when, when you binge watch these films, uh, these series. Oh, no. You That's know the what? Problem. This is why I don't, well, I don't watch, um, I don't watch American TV. I just wait till it comes to Netflix and Hulu because I hate commercials with a passion. Like the commercials always come on on the most important part. I'm just like screw you. So exactly. I don't know. This I is the future. Yeah, we don't do that. We watch on Netflix and Hulu now. So that's we'll that's, just wait until you come to Netflix and Hulu, then we'll binge watch. Exactly. That's the future. But, oh yeah, wow. This sounds exactly like Santa Cruz. I'm like, wait a minute. Why does this sound very familiar to Santa Cruz? I was like, this is a drip off or something. Rip off. I guess I guess the only confirmation would be actually watching it when you watch it to see, but I'm just like, yeah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. You know what it is? Yeah. Is that we're too wise to pick these things. Yeah. yeah. If, for those who haven't seen Santa Clarita, they will say, oh, wow, this is original. This is cool. No. Nah. It's corny. Thank you for tuning in to Season 6, Episode 5, or our DK Mag Podcast, which is now on Spotify. Yay! And joining me, uh, this is Ken Artuz, founder for DK Mag, that is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G dot com. And I have to stress, we are DK Mag. One word, the word DK and the word mag. We not we are not DK or DK magazine or the letter D and the letter K. We are DK Mag. Joining me as co-hosts were Enid Artus, content contributor, and we are on Google Music. And here at DK Mag, we would like to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we would like to wish all our listeners uh, joyous Thanksgiving. And remember, Thanksgiving is about sharing with family and friends. Yes, share our podcast with family and friends. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> that's, that's your cue to introduce no, no. yourself. <laughs> Okay, Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DK Mac. We're on iTunes. Happy Thanksgiving! Yay! All right, and don't forget Instagram, Facebook. We are all over. Just Stitcher as well. 
Search D K Mag D E C A M A G. No, why D E C? There you go. See? Oh wow! I can't even. See. <laughs> <laughs> D C A Y. Well, no, no, we we have to we have to also because this is like it is first like I guess with us in how long? Yeah, it need it needs yes, been working need hard. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. You can hear the dance right? I was here the last one. You were here the last one. You were, uh, but uh, prior to that one, I was oh, out the two podcast. Yeah, that was it. Two. Yeah. Like, she's back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been something that you would love. We're like, oh, she's gonna love this. But she ain't here, is it? You just miss my sense of humor and my little outburst sometimes. The little stupid stuff that I come up with. Yep. It, it, nothing came out this time because we were reviewing video games so it was a kind of uncharted territory for us all. But what about the last one when we were talking about um, when it's the big ring? <laughs> oh my god. There were so many missed opportunities. So many. Well, next episodes, I'll, I'll find something that we'll uh, find an innuendo for. <laughs> There's always something. Always. Yeah, but it's actually Thanksgiving is next week, so have fun. Eat the turkey or eat the pernil if you have the. We gotta have pernil. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah, on the pork shoulder. Pork shoulder. That's right. What are you having, Stacy? Probably uh, ham, holiday ham and turkey because I've never had pork shoulder. We never made pork pork shoulder. Mm. I don't think yeah, we've never made pork shoulder on Thanksgiving. We just yep. see the holiday ham or turkey. I've gotta try that. Yeah. It's 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 a more traditional Latino cuisine for Thanksgiving, right, uh, Ini? Okay. Yeah. Okay, right? yeah. I then I remember, that. yeah. Yeah, because I, I is very rare. I remember Thanksgiving is it's very rare that I remember turkey. It's always been panil and potato salad, uh, stuffing, arroz con gandules. How do you say that in Rice English? Rice and peas. Rice and pigeon peas. Yeah, stuff like that. Pateles. Some stuffing with, with shrimp on the inside. Coquito. Some coquito. You see? <laughs> coquito <laughs> is a, li- it's eggnog spiked with. It's the Spanish, it's the Puerto Rican style eggnog. Yeah, but it's spiked with what? A hundred proof uh, rum. rum? Rum? White rum. Right rum. So uh, picture eggnog with a hundred proof white rum. Delicious. <laughs> Stacy, I, I can hear her writing all this down. Like, okay, get the eggnog. <laughs> get the. <laughs> I gotta try all this food. <laughs> all right, you 